You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. Thank you for joining us on the show today. I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at It's All Dead. Dot com. So glad to have you along today. Got a really fun show uh, to share with you today and a, a fantastic guest um, that I just had a, a blast talking to. But before I introduce that person, I'll, I'll take you all the way back to around 2005. Um, and, you know, if you've been uh, listening to music and, you know, the the warp Tour scene, for back of a, lack of a better phrase, for um, a while now, then you'll remember back in the day that uh, there used to always be these samplers, sampler CDs um, that the labels would distribute. They were usually free. They'd come with another album you bought or you'd get them at a show and they'd have like 15 songs from all, all the different bands uh, on that particular label. And that used to be the way that, uh, at least for me, um, that I would find out about a lot of the new bands that I, I would go to love. And so um, back around 2005, I was in college and um, I had a sampler DVD. So it was, instead of the track it was music videos uh, from Victory Records, and there just so happened to be a music video um, for a band called Silverstein, and um, the song was called Smile in Your Sleep, and I remember playing that video and hearing that song and immediately being like, oh, this is exactly what I am into. Like, I... I'm into this band now. And, uh, that was of course 15 years ago. And I've, uh, you know, followed the band along ever since then and have enjoyed so much of, uh, what they've put out. And they, this year are hitting their 20th anniversary as a band. Um, and they're actually going on a, a 20th anniversary tour to celebrate, um, two decades of Silverstein. And they're also putting out a new album, their 10th album. It's called A Beautiful Place to Drown. It comes out. March 6th and, uh, really excited, um, for this album. And I was really excited that Shane told the lead singer of Silverstein was willing to come on the podcast and talk with us, um, about the band and, uh, how they're, um, approaching this 20th year, how they, uh, went into creating their 10th album and, uh, how things change as an artist, because that's, that's a lot of time to be in a band. Um, and obviously Silverstein has, has been a, a very successful band, um, and has done, has just made so much great music. Um, and, and it was interesting to kind of look back on that and, and hear from Shane about, um, what it was like creating an album 20 years ago for him versus what it's like creating an album now and what it was like 20 years ago thinking about the success of a new album when it came out versus, uh, how bands look at it today. There was a lot of ground to cover. And of course, um, if you listen to our show, you may also listen to, uh, Lead Singer Syndrome, which is a podcast that Shane hosts in which he talks with other lead singers. It's a fantastic show. Um, so there was a lot to talk about. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and let us jump into the interview. This is Shane Told of Silverstein. All right. Uh, today on the It's All Dead podcast, we have Shane Told from Silverstein, and I'm really excited about this conversation. They've got a new album coming out next month. They're gearing up for a, a 20th anniversary tour. Crazy that this band has uh, been a part of our lives 20 years. But here we are. Shane, thank you for taking time out of your day to, to chat with me. Thank you, man. Happy to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you've got some new tracks that have uh, been coming out over the past few weeks. People are excited uh, about the new album. But I, I was surprised. I guess it just it, it, it hit me when the press release came out for this. And it's like 20 years of Silverstein. You've got this tour coming out. It kind of like blew me away that like, wow, this is like two decades 
uh, with a band that I've always enjoyed their music and admired. And uh, 20 years is, is no joke, man. Like, what has it been like for you guys to to reflect on that? Uh, like, I don't know. Is it feel how does it feel just thinking about like, hey, we're we've been doing this 20 years. It is. It is no joke, man. I know it's funny because I think of the 10 year anniversary and I thought that that was a long time and that feels like a long time ago. So it's 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 a whole thing, man. But I think the fact that, you know, we're you know, we, we do a really good job, I think, of celebrating the old milestones and, you know, reflecting back on some of the old records and, you know, we're playing Discovering the Waterfront from start to finish on this tour. But at the same time, we're still putting out, you know, relevant music that people still really give a shit about. So that's yeah. really nice, you know, that we're uh, we're able to kind of ride both lines, you know, being not just being a band, people only care about our old stuff because I feel like by the time a lot of bands get to 20 years, that's sort of what they are, you know? Mm, yeah, no, that's interesting. And, um, you know, I, one of the things I wanted to ask is, you know, talking about 20 years, like to do anything for 20 years is an impressive feat and bands that last 20 years like that. It's not as like common as you might think that it is like, what, what do you feel like has been the key to success for your band and talking about you're still making relevant music. You've still got a strong fan base that loves what you're doing. Like wh what has been the secret for you guys to keep it together and keep it going for this long? Well, we've never stopped. I mean, we, we've literally just done album after album, tour after tour. Like it's pretty much been, we write a record and we put it out and we go on tour and then we write a record, we put it out and we go on tour and we've done that now nine times. Yeah. Uh, there has not been a hiatus. There's not been like a break um, at all. Really? I think we had our biggest break ever was just actually at the end of last year. Well, we were still writing and recording a record, so it doesn't really count. But we had like six months where we didn't play a show. That was pretty crazy. We were still making yeah. a record. And that's like the longest break. And I feel like it's important. You know, we just, we keep doing it. And, you know, the changes that happen, whether it's personally or in the climate of music, when you're talking about short in the short term, it's only a little bit. You know, and you kind of, everyone yeah. adapts to it, but I feel like when bands say, okay, we're going to take like a year off, then they come back and like, they're not the same. The industry's not the same. Everything's different. I feel like that it's always a bad move. And I think that that tends to be when bands start to fall apart and you know, we've just, we've just never stopped. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And, you know, talking about the longer you're away, the more things change. And you mentioned the music industry as being one of those things that has obviously changed from what it was when you guys started the band. And I'd seen a quote where you were talking about how it's harder to gauge success. And I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, when you started out, it's pretty easy to gauge success. I mean, one, you've got the the people showing up to shows, you've got the physical album sales. Yeah. Things are a little bit different now in terms of how you you know, the algorithm to determine like how successful was this album or, or this song? Like, how do you look at that now? How do you, how do you look at what you guys are doing and say like, you know what, this is still working. We're still doing it right. Yeah, it, it is hard. And I think when I, when I said that quote, um, you know, I think the one, okay. The one thing you can always be sure of is if there's people at your shows, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And for us, you know, we're about to do this 20 year anniversary tour and it's the biggest rooms we've ever done. It's the most tickets we've ever sold. So that's a really, really great sign and a really great gauge of success. But yeah, when you go into what used to be, um, you know, 
whether it's a gold record or whether it's a certain chart position when you put out an album, those, you know, um, uh, whatever you call them, those, those, those achievements, um, they don't, I don't even know if they matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get them great, does that mean anything? If you don't get them, does that mean anything? It's hard. Right. And, yeah. you know, we were putting out these new singles and, you know, I think it was, uh, we put out our video for, for infinite mm-hmm. and I, I don't remember the number of streams, but it was something like we had like 250,000 streams or something in like the first week or on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, 250,000 streams. I'm like, is that good? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah. good. I have no idea. You, oh, someone's like, Oh, you have a million infinite just hit a million on Spotify. Okay. I don't know. Is that good? What's, right. what's a million anymore? I know, I know what a million records sold used to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what a million streams means anymore. And I don't, yeah. I don't think that's me being old or whatever. I think that, that no one really knows. I think that that's those kind of um, standards aren't, we just haven't got there yet to, to yep. know what, what's good and what isn't good. And, and of course, like you look at the huge artists where they're, they're like, streaming hundreds of millions or, or sometimes like there's a billion views of something, you know, you can't compare yourself to that, but you couldn't compare yourself to that when we were selling physical records either. Right. You know, when, when a band, when Green Day American Idiot hit 5 million and I was like, well, I'm happy with 350,000, Yeah, you know? So there's always like, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, 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 it's just very tough, you know, to know what, you know, a punk band for lack of a better term is supposed to do exactly. uh, in this new era for success. Yeah. I think you articulate it really well, just in terms of like the, the numbers and you see a number and you feel like it means something, but yet there's so many variables in terms of like, well, how long did somebody even listen to it? You know, versus oh, like right. hit yeah. play in 10 seconds. We're like, and this isn't my thing. So yeah, there, a lot has changed obviously, but again, you know, 20 years is, is, is something that, it, that is real for you guys. And I, I want to ask you, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but as you think about the past 20 years and you guys have had influence on the, the sphere of, in which you live and the music that you make and the, and the scene that you're a part of, how have you thought about like, in hindsight, like the impact that Silverstein has made in terms of like people's music listening habits and other bands that have been a part of this scene. What, what does that mean to you? Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like we never really got a ton of recognition when we were a younger band. Um, and, and I'm not saying that we were like alone in that, but you know, a lot of people, the music writers at the time when we came out, the ones that are my age now, um, you know, they were kind of rolling their eyes at this kind of music and, you know, making fun of the term screamo or emo. And yeah. um, I, I kind of understand maybe where they're coming from now with some of the, the music that's coming out. If I was a music writer, you know, so I kind of get um, I kind of get it in terms of that. So I don't know. I never felt a huge amount of love uh, from critics um, or even from, you know, younger bands saying, oh my God, like if it wasn't for Silverstein, we wouldn't have started, we wouldn't have picked up an instrument or whatever. I never really felt that. So the fact that over the last couple of years, that sort of started to be a thing, we've started to get some recognition for being, you know, um, I guess, a, a important player in 
the scene of of the early two thousands, um, and the fact that we've, you know, throughout all of the bands that have come and gone, we've remained, um, and our music is, has kind of, you know, stood up to the test of time. That's all really really good. I mean, that feels really really good finally to to get that, and you know, I, I think I never really hung my hat on that because we never got it. It was, it was never something that I was mm. expecting to hear. I was ex- never expecting to open and open up a magazine of, of alternative press and have a band say that we're a big influence on them. You know, I, I, yeah. I'm expect to see them say taking back Sunday. They're a great band and they were a much bigger sure. band than us. And that's great. There was never, but it was never Silverstein. And the fact that now people throw our name around in the conversation alongside taking back Sunday, it's like, that's crazy because Believe me, back in 2005, they sure as hell weren't. So you yeah, know, it's uh, it's it's cool that, yeah, that that we've done something right um, along you know over the years that we uh, we're getting some recognition. But again, it isn't that important to me. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the passage of time is is obviously something that matters. And you guys have like you know a, a signature album from your early days that people love to go back to, as as well as this catalog of music that you keep creating that keep keeps adding to that legacy. And so I think that right. all those things combined kind of add into that. And, you know, speaking of continuing the music, we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, the new album, uh, Beautiful Place to Drown, uh, coming out next month. And you mentioned uh, some of the tracks have already hit the web and they, they seem like, um, you know, I, what I've seen is a really positive response, like just going through a few threads yeah. and seeing what people are saying. And obviously, I mean, every, I think there's three tracks out right now, everything that you've put out sounds really strong. I mean, what, you know, obviously you talked about the ambiguity around the numbers, but in terms of like how people are like vocally responding to you, what, what has that been like so far with these, these new songs? It's been really great. I think with this record, we definitely took a few more chances than we have in the past, especially just with sounds and instrumentation. You know, we, we always put these limits on ourselves and these rules where we said, okay, we can't, we can't use like an 808, you know, we can't use a synthesizer. Yeah. That's not, that's not emo or punk or, sure. or that's not what, whatever band would do. So we can't do that either. And once we kind of got over that, we realized, Hey, maybe there's like some really cool shit we can do. And so we did. And um, I think, you know, a song like infinite being our first single, the intro of that song is about as freaky as we could have got, mm-hmm. I think for our fans. Um, like it starts, like, it sounds like it could be a reggaeton track or like EDM or anything, but, but rock. Um, and of course, once I start singing, it sounds like Silverstein, but you know, our fans, I was, I was quite surprised that we didn't have our fans more upset. And the fact that so many of our fans are actually excited and really, really, uh, stoked on it. Uh, on infinite, not to mention bad habits, which we knew our fans would like, uh, you know, the, just the fact that, that that's happening is, is pretty cool, you know, because yeah, I, I really did think that we were going to have a little more of uh, natives getting restless uh, or whatever the, t- the term is, you know, for, for our fans being sure. a bit uh, concerned. And so far people were like, Oh my God, these three singles are banging and can't wait for the record. And it's a it's a pretty pretty good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like there's always been this thing of like you you know, certain fan bases want always want 
their favorite band to make another version of the album that they loved back when. But at a certain point, you kind of realize that I do want to hear something different. Like I've, I've heard a certain thing before hearing something new can actually be a really exciting thing when it's done well. And you talked about experimenting uh, a little bit this time around. What's that like? I mean, this is album number 10 for you. Um, I don't know how naturally the it's come to you over the years, if it's gotten easier to, to write songs, but when thinking about all that was it, I mean, did it feel like a bold step to like, we're going to introduce something we've just not done before. Did that end up being like a really a fun process or did it really stretch you all as a band? Uh, it's a good question. I think it, it started out as a little bit stressful for me. I think I wasn't entirely on board at first when I heard some of the demos that, you know, our guitar player Paul Mark had made. Cause some of them, I was like, I just can't see myself singing this. I can't see, you know, ourselves playing this, but it's, it is really amazing once you, you know, when you make a demo and it's with fake drums and guitars recorded into a computer, sometimes it's, it's hard even for a musician like me to see through that. Yeah. And once we got into the studio and we, you know, had Paul lay down real drums and I was singing over these demos and we, we put it all together I realized like, oh, like there is, this is really, really cool. And this is really going to work. And this isn't so far afield, you know, as I thought it was, you know, yeah. this is Silverstein and this is a great step for us. And then I, once we got there, I think we were just really excited about it. Um, all of us. Um, but I, I think I was the last to kind of come around on some of the ideas. Um, but now that we've done it, I think it's it's really exciting. And I mean to go back to what you said about, you know, bands fans wanting their, you know, bands to make their their record over and over again. In some ways I think we kind of did that. You know, I mm -hmm. think you could look at a lot of the songs from let's say like I am alive and everything I touch. I think a lot of those songs if you went back to 2005 you could have put them on on discovering the waterfront. I think they would have fit right. in with that. So I think, you know, for years and years, we gave our fan base a lot of the same. And um, not that this is a drastic change, but I think that, uh, you know, we still, we, we really just wanted to to experiment and, you know, and see what was else was out there that we could do tonally and, and expressiveness, you know, and expressiveness for ourselves. So yeah. here it is. That's awesome. Well, you know, with 20 years under your belt and uh, when you think back, what's the biggest difference between writing and recording album number one versus album number 10? Well, yeah. I mean, it's weird because I don't know if it gets harder or if you just get more picky because I think nowadays I could sit like I, if, if I said someone put a gun to my head and said, okay, you have to write an album in a week, I could write an album in a week. It would be, and it would be fine. Um, sure. you know, and if someone said that to me back when I was in my early twenties, I don't know if I could have done it, you know, but now it's like every note and everything you scrutinize it so much more than I think we used to. Um, we still did back then, but now it's just at a whole nother level. So I don't know. I think obviously when you have so much material out there and we've written like over a hundred songs, you know, under Silverstein, you know, there's, there's ideas you can't, 
you've already done them, so you can't do them again. <laughs> so yeah. it, it gets harder to just to think of things like, oh, okay, like what what rhythm haven't we used? Well, we've used a lot of rhythms. Yeah. You know, we don't want to use the same one again. So, you know, or or even lyrics, like when I'm writing lyrics, sometimes I'll Google I'll Google a line and be like, Have I said this before? Have I used this line or have I used this analogy before? Because <laughs> I don't yeah. always remember, you know, yeah. when you're talking about over a hundred songs. So that stuff gets harder, but I do think that um, part of it is just that we're pickier and, you know, we do put in a lot of time. I think that's another thing that bands that get to our stage and you, like you said, not a lot do, but the ones that do get there, they, it's hard to make a record because of the time in the day, the time in the week, the time in the month, because everyone's got more responsibilities when you're older. And, yep. you know, I think a lot of times bands end up kind of phoning it in because they can write a record in a week. So they say, okay, well we can, so maybe we will. Well, yeah. that's not the approach. And then that's, I think why so many bands, their records tend to get worse and worse and our records tend to get better and better. I think because we really do just realize that we have to put in the time and we do. Yeah. Well, you uh, talked about the the first single that dropped infinite. Um, you had Aaron Gillespie on that track and it seems like there's several different uh, kind of guests on this album, what was it like to kind of bring people in and collaborate in that way? It's awesome. I love doing it. We don't do it with every record and it, it really depends on the way that the record gets made. This record, we had quite a lot of time to track and a lot of the stuff was ready before we started tracking. So we had a lot more time to kind of experiment and be like, okay, this song's done. And this part, this part could use a feature. And this part could use this specific feature. Like, would it be cool if we got Aaron from Under Oath on this part? So we had time to say, okay, let me text Aaron. Let me see if he's down. Okay, Aaron, we actually have a month for you to do it. Rather than in the past, I, I can't remember all the features we tried to get on previous records, but a lot of times it was like, okay, hey, um, yeah, can you do this? And they're like, well, I'm on tour and I have to talk to the label um, when do you need it? And we're like, um, Friday. And they're like, yeah, it's like not going to happen. So, so this record, we were, we were in a good position because of the time, but we also were really lucky in that everyone we asked said yes, because a lot of times with features, either they can't do it um, or the label says no. And we don't, we don't go to the, just go to the next person that might work. We right. pretty much just shut it down at that point. Because yeah. when we've come to the when we've gotten to the point where we actually are asking someone to do it, it's a big deal, and we really, really want them because we really, really believe in the part on the song. So you know, with Pierre, we knew he would kill that. We we knew we wanted his voice in that song, so I texted him and he was down. If Pierre yeah. said no, we wouldn't have gotten. I don't know, pick another pop punk band. We wouldn't have just done that because sure for for um. For us, it's always really, really dependent on the part in the song and the voice. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think I think the ones that didn't work out in the past, like Dead Reflection, I don't think it had any um, any features. Uh, we I think we tried a couple times, but when they didn't work out, we just said, "Well, that's fine. We'll do it ourselves because it, it was them or it was it was them or nothing." So, yep. yeah, it was it was really sense. great that they all worked out on this record. Yeah, definitely. You you talked a, a minute ago about obviously, you know, 
being an adult, having more responsibilities. And, and speaking of responsibilities and endeavors, you know, a few years ago, you obviously took on a, an endeavor that's become a whole thing of its own with uh, the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast, which, by the way, if you listen to our show and you don't listen to that show, uh, it's a better show and you should go <laughs> listen to that one too. I, lo I love listening to that show. Aww, thank um, you. And as a podcaster, it's just been incredible to watch you know, you as an artist take up this other form of, right. of creating something and having it be so successful. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, I'm interested in that you, you talk with so many other people that do exactly what you do as the singer of a band. Yeah. How much have you learned from all those conversations that, that's impacted the way that you write a song, perform on tour? I mean, what has that been like? I've learned so much. I've met so many friends. Um, it's like the best thing I've ever done. I, I like absolutely love it. I've talked to some of my idols, like just, um, I guess my podcast will come up tomorrow. I don't know when this is coming out, but, um, when you, whenever people are listening to this, you know, um, Milo from the descendants, like I got to talk mm. to him. That's my next guest. Dang. Like that's, that's crazy. Like I went yeah. to, I took science in university because of that guy. Like that's yeah. insane. Right. So right. it's been really, 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 really cool ride. And in terms of, yeah, learning, you know, about, my own craft from other experts it has been pretty special and and one thing i think i've learned most is that all lead singers well pretty much all of them aren't lead singers everyone starts out yeah. playing guitar or yeah. drums and then they're the only one in the room that can carry a tune so they end up being the singer yeah. that's my story and that's probably 80 percent of the people on my show that's their story too and what's really interesting too is this just how many of us have the same uh, you know, we go through, through exactly the same things in our lives. Yeah. Um, we have the same issues with our voices. We have the same, uh, you know, just, just tour issues, um, you know, with terms of health. Yeah. It, it really is like amazing. And all it's done, I guess, is just solidified, um, you know, my kind of self in, in terms of being like, Hey, I'm not alone here. Like yeah. I, I'm, you know, there's, there's, hundreds and thousands of people going through the same thing as me, um, as a singer. And I found that that was really interesting, you know, that yep. so much of, so much of what we've come up with and what we do, singers have come to their own conclusions about it without talking to each other. And now my show is sort of like showing, Hey, maybe this is the way you can do something, um, yeah. as a singer, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And what's so fun about it just as a music fan is that, you're getting insight that you would never get, or like me as an interviewer, things I would never think to ask because I'm not right. a lead singer and I haven't done that. And so having that camaraderie, having that experience, I think has made those conversations just so rich um, and interesting. Well, yeah. And, you know, this is something that at this point now is not just a, a side hobby or something. It's like a whole other business endeavor for you. For you at this point in your life, um, how do you... I, I guess you must find that valuable to have like multiple different things in your life that are, that are that for you, that are an outlet for creation, but also an opportunity to advance as, you know, a, a business person, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I definitely didn't think of the podcast as like a, a business endeavor when I started it, you know, yeah. it was just something I thought would be fun to do you know, to talk to mm -hmm. my friends and, and meet some new ones and hopefully talk to some of my idols. And I've got to do all of that. Um, and in terms of, yeah, like, you know, people wanting to advertise on my show, you know, that's, I'll take it, you know, that's cool. I, I'm, 
I'm all on board for, for, you know, keeping the show going financially and, and hopefully putting a couple extra bucks in my pocket too, for my time, you know, yeah. that's awesome. Um, but definitely not the, the reason, you know, that, that I started it, but, but no, the, the podcast has been, has been just so great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess with, with, uh, with being in a band, you know, it is kind of, there's just that one thing and you do a tour and you get paid and you put out a record and you hopefully get paid. And it is nice to have, uh, you know, something else out there that, you know, can, can help for those slow times. Yeah, definitely. Um, and for folks that listen to our show regularly, I feel like I have lead singer syndrome to thank for, uh, Cove Reber came on our show a couple months ago, but I feel like you brought him like you helped, he caught the podcast bug. Like right oh, yeah. you did your show. And, uh, so that's, you know, for somebody that uh, is another figure of the scene that uh, people hadn't heard from for a while. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Cove, you know, that's another band. I mean, we we're touring with four years strong. Um, you know, this, uh, this just, I guess in a couple of weeks, and that's a band we never toured with before. And surprisingly, we never toured with Seosin either. Yeah, um, that's despite, crazy. Despite us coming up at the same time and everything. No, we never toured with Seosin. So I knew Cove like a little bit. I think people expected me that I knew him a lot, but I didn't mm-hmm. really know him that well at all, except running into him at some festivals and, you know, and whatever. And so he came on my show and he just poured his heart out and we spoke for mm-hmm. so long that I had to split it into two episodes. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, he caught the podcast cast bug maybe during our interview. Uh, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't want to stop. So that's yeah. cool. I mean, he's, he's such an honest guy and, and I really thought that was amazing about him. He, he doesn't, he doesn't have a filter and he doesn't hold back and he's got so much insight, um, yep. you know, in that brain of his. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's a great guest. Well, you mentioned uh, Four Years Strong, the 20th anniversary tour is coming up. And if I'm understanding this right, you're playing three sets every night. Is that right? Yeah, we are. We did. Wow. We already started doing it because we just finished the European leg. So we did we did seven shows over in Europe where we were doing, um, I think, the same show. We we kind of weren't sure if we were going to, you know, we, we knew we would do these seven shows and then we're going to say, okay, are we going to tweak the set list? But I think we're going to do the same show. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot, man. I mean, yeah. we're, we're doing, we do a greatest hit set an acoustic set and discovering the waterfront in full and a little more. Um, and I wasn't sure, you know, I've never screamed my head off for two hours straight, <laughs> uh, you know, five days in a row, but I did it, um, in, in Germany, we did five shows in a row, two hours a night and I was fine. So it's really, really, awesome. um, it's really exciting, you know, that we, that we're able to do this and our fans are able to come and see, you know, not just another punk show, but like a real event, you know, and, and yeah. we've put together not just a great package of, of support bands, but a really, really awesome production, you know, that yeah. people are going to, I think, remember for years, I mean, hopefully forever, cause we're really excited about this and playing in some great venues all across America and Canada. And it's just, it's super exciting to be able to give people this show, kind of the dream show that we've sort of always wanted to put together, uh, but kind of never, just never could for whatever reason. And now here we are 20 years, 20 years in finally putting together this like whole, you know, whole thing. 
Yeah, I love it. I, lo I love the way you're approaching it. And again, it's kind of at this point, it allows you to get a little bit more uh, creative with something like this. And I I'd imagine it's fun to like go out and do the greatest hits and you're singing songs that you've, you know, played for years and the fans love it doing the acoustic thing. Is there a favorite part of the night for you as the performer? I've been enjoying the acoustic stuff, actually. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm, like I said earlier, no singer is a lead singer first. I'm a guitar player first. So yeah. the fact that I get to get up there with an acoustic guitar um, and I get to play, you know, guitar for, you know, a third of the set is pretty, pretty rare. You know, I've, yeah. I've only done, you know, other than like my side project River Oaks and, you know, uh, you know, some stuff like that, that I've done. I usually just play guitar and Silverstein set maybe one or two songs if we do an acoustic version of something. So the fact that I get get to get up there and do a third of the set is really, really fun. Um, I just love playing guitar. So it's been, it's yeah. been cool, a really cool part. And I think it shows off a different side of our band. You know, a lot of people kind of know us as, as rockers and, you know, or a screaming sure. band or whatever. So to be able to kind of show that we have the chops when it comes to the softer side of, um, of our music, I think is a, is a really, really kind of a special thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, excited for the tour, excited for the new album, and uh, just so glad we had the chance to to chat with you about uh, what's ahead and uh, celebrating 20 years of Silverstein. So Shane, thank you so much for taking time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Can I uh, plug a couple things while I have the people? Heck yeah. All right. March 6th, Beautiful Place to Drown, new Silverstein record. Check that out. Also, check out my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. It's available probably wherever you listen to this one. So, yeah. uh, so yes, check it out and check out leadsingersyndrome.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you again, uh, to Shane for coming on the show. You heard him, uh, March 6th, a beautiful place to drown. The new album from Silverstein hits stores and the internet and all of the places where people consume music now. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. If you like our show, Thanks for listening and thanks for liking our show. Tell a friend about it. Uh, hit up Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Um, and, of, uh, of course, hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all of the shows that we release. That is going to do it for now. Thanks for listening to It's All Dead. I'm Kyle Hawk, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.